Well, good morning, Arbor. Good to see you. Uh, my name's Jake, if I haven't got a chance to meet you. Uh, we are coming right off the heels of Easter. Gosh, Easter was so great. I just so love and enjoy talking about the resurrection and what Jesus has done for us. And so some of you are back. And so we thought what a good thing to do is jump into a new series called What's the Point? Uh, and the idea behind this is we're going to ask some of the big questions uh, of the faith. Kind of like, what is the point of my life? What is the point of prayer? What's the point of the church? Uh, Those kind of things. And so we're going to talk through that. Um, What's the point? Because everything kind of has a purpose, right? Everything is designed for a purpose. If we believe that we have a a good God who is a designer and a creator, that he created everything for purpose, on purpose. And uh, and so that includes us as well. Uh, So we're going to talk about that today. But prior to getting to that, we got to talk about the purpose of a few items that I had no idea actually had this specific purpose when they were created. For example, the Coke can or the Pepsi can or the, just the pop can. Did you know that the straw, like that, that, that tab, that it was literally created originally with the hole in it so that you could turn it back around and put your straw in there? How many knew that, that that was in the original design? Okay, smart people. Good. That's great. <laughs> Look at this. This is insane to me. This one blew my mind. Uh, this is the ketchup bottle. One of the biggest problems in life is how do you get the Heinz ketchup out of the Heinz ketchup bottle, especially the glass ones. So when they were created, I didn't know this because I've always heard the theories, and you have too. You bang on it from the back until it comes, which is not correct. You tap on the neck, right? I've heard that one. The reality is Heinz did the research for us. What you're actually supposed to hit is the 57 marker, and that's why it's there on every single bottom. Mike knew that, all right? Mike knew that. There you go. Uh, This one blew my mind because this is a serious problem for me in my house. Check this out. Right here, there are tabs on the side of the aluminum foil and the plastic wrap. Every time I would pull it out, I pull the whole roll out with it, and every t- it happens over and over. So if you just take those tabs that were purposely created there, pull them in, the roll stays in the box, and it's magical, <laughs> you guys. Next, you got this. I didn't know this, that takeout food, the boxes were literally created to be broken down and used as plates. So that's the way that they were designed. Never knew that. I'm always eating out of a box. I don't know about you. Uh, this one is crazy. So the, the pasta fork or the pasta, what do you call it, spoon, whatever that is, it's like a spork. It looks like a spork. But it has a hole in the middle. And I've always wondered, I thought it was like to just drain water. It's not. And it actually is the perfect amount for one serving uh, for an individual if you put the noodles inside of there. So if you're ever measuring how much do I need for my family, you have five members, put it right through there, drop it in. Stuff you had no clue about, but they had intentionality in the design. Isn't that amazing? And so we have intentionality in our design, and we have a purpose as well. And so that's what we're going to talk about. The biggest question, it's probably one of the biggest questions in life, is what's my purpose? Why, in, why on earth am I here? Is it all accidental? Some people would say yes. Is it just circumstance? Some people would say yes. I say that there's an intelligent designer behind all this that made us on purpose for a purpose. And so here's what our purpose is. I'm not going to drag it out. I'm just going to share it. And there's a lot of opinions. A lot of people will have things to say. But when you boil it down, our purpose here on earth is just one simple thing. And that is this, to glorify God. Our purpose is to glorify God. When all is said and done, the reason that we are here on earth is to bring God glory. And that's not just my words. That's, that's the words coming straight out of God's word. Paul says this. He says, everything 
comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power and everything is for his glory. Everything includes us. God says this, he says, they are my own people and I created them to bring me glory. Paul also says, so eat and drink and do everything for the glory of God. Our purpose, friends, is to glorify God. It's to glorify God. So I did a little word study on the word glory. And I looked in in the Old Testament. I didn't realize this, but this is amazing. In the Old Testament, the word glory is used differently in the Old Testament than it is used in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the word glory meant this, this heaviness, this weight, this importance, right? In the 60s, they used to say something like, that's heavy, right? I wasn't there firsthand. I don't know. But um, apparently that means it's important. It's important. But in the New Testament, the word glory means light or splendor or majesty. And so the word glory is this amazing interweaving of unlikely terms of the weight or the the substance and the light and the majesty, which creates this beautiful word picture for what we are supposed to do and who we are supposed to be. And it all boils down to God's glory. We are made to glorify God. The problem is this. We have been taught that that, that, that our purpose is something different. We have been deceived to believe that it is not about God's glory, that the purpose of our life is the pursuit of happiness. So many people would say, well, as long as it makes you happy, that's cool, right? And I just want to be happy. That's just what I want. Friends, I'll tell you this, and I say this with great respect. I love where we live. I love the United States. I'm so thankful we live in this country. I really am. But the American dream is not God's dream. The American dream is not God's dream. The pursuit of happiness, as long as it makes you happy, if if that's the case, you're shooting at the wrong goal. It's the wrong goal if you're going after happiness because truly, it's, it's just not what we were created to do. It's the wrong goal. When I was in elementary school, I had a friend named Shane Ray. We played on the same basketball team. Um, I wasn't really good at basketball, but at least I was better than Shane. And Shane was not good at all. In fact, this was really struggle for him. And so we played when I was in elementary school. I don't remember you guys one game, period, in my whole life ever, except for this one game with Shane. And, and it was amazing. It was right after halftime. And uh, we just went back on the court and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the ball's going out, Shane's there. He gets a rebound, a defensive rebound. And so what happens next is that we're supposed to take the ball and move down the court. And so we do. I run down the court. My team runs down the court. The other team runs down the court. And we're all down there. And at that point in time, we realize that Shane is back on the other side of the court shooting at the wrong basket, right? He's shooting at his basket. And thank goodness he was a terrible shot, right? Terrible. And so the way we found out was like, you know, we all of a sudden hear the parents start saying, Shane, no, Shane, stop. Shane, stop. And we're like, whoa, Shane, stop. Stop, Shane, stop. And the other team's like, go, Shane, go, right? And they're cheering him on. And amazingly, after like six shots, Shane puts it up. And he miraculously makes it. And he's like, woo, all by himself. And we're like, Shane, great job. You got two points for the other team. So he was shooting at the wrong hoop. And I think when it comes to us trying to fulfill what we have been made to do, a lot of times we're shooting at the wrong hoop. We're shooting at the wrong basket. And the pursuit of happiness 
What we have grown to believe is the point is not the point at all. The point is God's glory. Eleanor Roosevelt, the famous first lady, she said this. She said, happiness is not the goal. It is a byproduct. A byproduct of what? God's glory. His glory. When we pursue happiness, what you'll inevitably find is emptiness. You see that in so many rich people who pursue all these different things and they end up in emptiness. But when you pursue God himself, that's where you will find fulfillment. And the reason you find fulfillment when you pursue God is because you're doing what you were made and designed to do. It's what you were created to do. You are fulfilling your purpose when you are glorifying God. Now, most of you would be like, that's great, Jake. Um, I'm so glad you went to Bible college, but I knew that. I knew that. Because you learned this in Sunday school, right? But there's more. And so let's dig into a little bit more. Glorifying God is what I'll call the general purpose the general purpose of our lives. That if we were all said and done and we glorified God with our lives, thumbs up, we did well. That was what we were supposed to do. But I think tucked within the general purpose is what we'll call our specific purpose as well. And this is something that we are uniquely shaped as individuals to accomplish, that only we can accomplish. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. He said this. He said, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Now, the body of Christ is the church. It is us. And what he's saying is as a church, our goal is to glorify God. But as individuals, we have a specific purpose. You've heard this if you've been around the church at all. I've heard preachers talk on it many times. And they would say this. They would say, God has a plan for your life. How many have heard that before? God has a plan for your life. You have a calling, you have a destiny, you have a mission, or what is God's will for my life? We've heard that many times. What that is, is that is the specific purpose that God has created us to live out in our lifetime. Rick Warren, he wrote The Purpose Driven Life, best-selling book next to the Bible in the history of all books. It's crazy. And he wrote this inside of it. He said, we all have the same God-given purpose, to glorify him. But how we express that purpose looks different for each of us. Let me see if I can explain it by showing it to you as best as possible. On this table, what I have is I have a bunch of brushes. So uh, I have a paintbrush, I have a hairbrush, I have a toilet brush. I have my personal favorite, a wire brush, toothbrush, and my wife's blush brush, okay? These are all brushes. Their goal in life, their purpose, if they are to be fulfilled, is to what? Brush. Exactly. That is the whole point. In the world of brushes, if these things brush, they have fulfilled their purpose. You know, if a brush refuses to brush, it is a bad brush and thus must be crushed to dust, dust or mush. And even though you feel this is unjust, it is a must for a brush that refuses to brush. All right? Yeah, don't clap. That's bad. You don't want to clap at that. Especially since I messed it up halfway through. Dang it. So anyway, I've been reading way too much Dr. Seuss, but each one of these brushes, their general purpose is to brush. They have a specific 
purpose as well. This is to brush or to paint a fence, to brush my hair, to brush my toilet, to brush my teeth, to brush my wife's face, not my face, right? And so they all have a specific purpose within the general purpose of brushing. The problem comes to the brushes and to us when what happens is that we get confused. We don't know what our design is or we don't know what we're born to do. And so what happens is we look to the other brushes or for us, we look to other people to figure out and to compare what our design is or what our purpose is. For example, if the hairbrush decided that it wanted to get out of the bathroom. It wanted to stop playing in hair and it wanted to do some real business. It wanted to be creative. It wanted to paint a fence. And it decided to jump in one day out of the bathroom into the garage where it would dip itself into paint and then start to paint someone's hair. Now, I'll need a volunteer. I knew there would be someone to raise their hand at that. I really thought that, I knew there would be. But it's not what it's designed to do. It is not what it is designed to do. Say, for example, that the toilet brush got tired of sitting underneath the bathroom sink and it thought, I want to do my job every day, not just once a month, just not just like once a week, depending on your plumbing, right? I want to be active like the toothbrush, Right? I want to work every day. And so it jumps out from underneath the, to- underneath the, the sink, gets a little toothpaste, and then it starts to do the job <laughs> of a toothbrush. Now, it's not very effective because you can't get your molars. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I can get my molars with this. No way. It hurts, actually. It's really painful. <laughs> This is not what it's designed to do. It is not. It is not. It's designed to scrub your toilet, not your teeth. It's not made for that. And so it's the same thing. Let's say, for example, that the wire brush got tired of hanging out in the garage. And it wanted to be and make something beautiful like the blush brush. And so you grab some foundation, right? And you just apply a little, a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. You only need a little bit. Holy cow. And say it was going to apply to a face because it wanted to make something beautiful. Well, here's the truth, guys. Nothing beautiful will come from this. In fact, blood... (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Blood is what's going to come from that. And a lot of dust. Friends, each brush has a general purpose. It is the same to brush. But they each have a specific purpose within that purpose as well. And that is to do what they were specifically designed to do. And it is the same, my friends, when it comes to us. All throughout Scripture, we see people who do their general purpose and they glorify God through their general purpose by doing something that they were specifically made to do in their lifetime. For example, Adam and Eve, they started the human race. They glorified God by doing their specific purpose of starting the human race. Noah, his specific purpose was to build a boat. Moses' specific purpose was to use a staff, walk around like Gandalf, and free his people. And he did that. Jonah, 
He had a, I mean, general purpose, glorify God. His specific purpose was to go to Nineveh. Eventually, he went and he gave God's message. Rahab, specific purpose, hiding spies inside of her home. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, general purpose, glorify God. Specific purpose, stand up when everybody's kneeling down. Solomon, his specific purpose, building a temple. David, specific purpose was to take a little stone and throw it at a big man and then spend the rest of his life leading as a king and and writing songs about his relationship with Jesus or with God. Mary, which is amazing, she, she had the very specific purpose of giving birth to God himself. Talk about pressure. You think you're having trouble raising your kids. Raising God, right? Like the, in the flesh, that's a big job. That was her specific purpose. John the Baptist, he ate bugs and prepared the way for Jesus. That's what he did. Joseph of Arimathea, he gave up his tomb. Lazarus, he came out of a tomb. Peter, he basically said, you are the Christ. You are the one, the son of God, the Messiah we've been waiting for. And then, and then Paul took that truth and went out to all the Gentiles in all the world and shared that good news, that great news. Those were their specific purpose. Their general purpose was to glorify God. And they did it in different ways, just like we are too. Now, the question might come, what was Jesus's purpose? What was his whole entire point? Jesus's purpose, what do you think his general purpose was? I'm asking you, what do you think his general purpose was? Anybody? To glorify God. Thank you, Mike. Exactly. He's paying attention. Jesus's general purpose is the same purpose that we have, to glorify the Father. He says this himself. He says, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Jesus also said, I brought glory to you. And he's talking about God the Father here on earth by completing the work. What is the work? Catch this, you guys. It's his specific purpose that you gave me to do. So the natural question comes, what was Jesus' specific purpose? Jesus' specific purpose was to take our place. The biblical, theological term for that is substitutionary atonement, is what that is. Jesus taking our place, something that we could not do on our own. He came and he took the pain and our sin on his shoulders for himself. That's the good news. He took our place. When I was in high school, the thing to do, ironically, two basketball stories in one day, was to go to the girls' basketball game. I was a freshman in high school. I was an insecure freshman in high school. I I just, I had friends, but I had, you know, my friends for years, and now we went into this big school, and I didn't know hardly anybody. And, And the deal was, is I knew one thing is that the place to go on Friday nights was to go to the basketball game and to watch the girls' basketball game. So I went because I wanted to be where the action was. So I went to the game. My mom dropped me off because I couldn't drive. Immediately when I got there, I saw that the place was packed. The gymnasium was full. There was like hardly any room. People are standing. There's really nowhere to sit. And I'm walking in there, and immediately when I walk into the gym, I get there, and I'm like, I got to find my friends. Because to be alone in that situation, just so insecure, didn't want to... Like, I, I just, I didn't know who I was. I didn't, I mean, I'm in high school, for heaven's sakes, freshman. And so I walk in there, and I look, and I don't see any of my friends. They're not here. They didn't show up. They literally didn't show up that night. 
And they weren't there, and they said they were going to be there. Now I'm, I have no clue what to do. So what I do is I quickly turn, and I walk back out, and I do what anybody would do. I go to the snack shack. And so I went to the snack shack. I had some money. I bought some fruit snacks, of all things. Brought the fruit snacks back and, like, built up the courage to walk into the gymnasium. I was going to be confident. I'm going to walk in there, and I'm going to find someone to sit with, and I'm going to look like I know what I'm doing, and I am confident. So I did. I walked in straight in there. As I'm going through, I realized I know nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And there's nowhere to sit. There's nowhere to go. And as I'm going through, I can't see my friends or anybody, anybody my age. I see my, my childhood friend, Gabe Scott. He was there. Now, Gabe is two years older than I am. He plays football. I played soccer at the time, right? <laughs> he was popular. I was not. He was one of the most popular people in the school. As a junior, he knew, and he was sitting with all the cool guys. Like, I already knew who the cool guys were in school, and they were all sitting together, and they were all sitting by Gabe. And when I walked inside of there, I had nowhere to go. And so Gabe saw me make eye contact with him with these puppy dog's eyes, like, help me, kind of a thing. And he moved over and said, come on up. And all the other guys that were there, didn't even pay attention to me. They didn't even notice me. And we were only on the second row. And so I take a step over the first row and I sit down next to Gabe and they're all laughing, having their high school fun time and, you know, making jokes and whatever. And I'm just sitting there, not wanting to say anything or do anything wrong. I don't know what to do. I'm so, I'm sweating. It's just way uncomfortable. So I decide to open my fruit snacks. And so I open my fruit snacks and I realize it's a lot harder than I remember. <laughs> and I'm not paying, I'm, I'm like not focusing on it very well. I should have just turned it to the side and ripped down the sliver. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't do that. I just thought I just need to apply more pressure. And so I pulled and I pulled as hard as I could and I ripped it open. Now guys, when I ripped it open, this is not a joke, no exaggeration. It worked like a slingshot. Everything that was inside went like this. And it went wide open and all the fruit snacks that were inside went over the first head, the heads of the people in the first row and landed on the court, like right there on the court. And it would have been fine, right? Except the game of play was literally right there. And the ref blew his whistle and stopped the game because he was, a, I, I mean, good ref. He just didn't want anyone to get injured from the food that got thrown on the court, Right? I am horrified, and I mean horrified in this moment. I am sitting with the coolest people in the entire school. I do not know them, and, and I don't know what to do. So what do I do? I just shrink down. I figured if I could get as small as possible, nobody would see me. And in that moment came the miracle of all miracles. Gabe saw me, and he saw what was going on, and he grabbed the fruit snacks. I don't know why he did this. I don't know if he was trying to be funny or if he was trying to save me. But he grabbed them, and he stepped down onto the court, and he was like, my bad, my bad, everyone, my bad. Can't keep my fruit snacks together. My bad, my bad. And pretty soon I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And everybody's like, ah, Gabe, you're a dork. You're, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Oh, my bad. Gabe, you're an idiot. And I'm like, yeah, Gabe, you're an idiot. <laughs> because he took my place. That was my shame. That was my situation. That was my trouble that I put him in. And Gabe, whether he did it intentionally or not, he literally saved my bacon that day. 
I was terrified. And what he did is he took the weight of that on his shoulders and he took my place. That was my embarrassment to bear. And it's the same thing that Jesus did for us. He glorified God, his general purpose, glorified the Father by taking our place on the cross. That's what's amazing about God. That's what the good news is. It's absolutely amazing. Look what he said. He said, the son of man, talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He took our place. Friends, there was a price to be paid that we could not pay. It is called sin, and we don't like to talk about the S word very often, but it's a reality. Sin is basically this. It is missing the mark. God said, this is the standard, and I need you to hit this. And unfortunately, we were unable to hit it, not only by our choices, but out of our birth. We were born into a sinful nature. And we made bad choice after bad choice that has separated and separated and separated us from God. But what's amazing is that God loved us so much that he came back to this planet, right? He came to this planet as an individual to take our place on the cross. He bore our sins, and by doing that, he paid the price that we could not pay. And as we talked about last week at Easter, the beauty of the resurrection is it proves who Jesus, it proves that Jesus is who he says he is. And that his, he is God in the body. He is the one that has come to take our place and that our sins are forgiven through him. That's the good news, you guys. We were not enough on our own, so Jesus took our place. He glorified God, his general purpose, and he did that by taking our place. He lived his life with purpose. So here's the million-dollar question. How do we discover what our specific purpose is? How do, we spe- how do we discover what we were specifically born to do? Because there's no roadmap, there's no blueprint, there's no instruction manual saying this is how you do it. Yes, we have the Bible, but the Bible will instruct us on our general purpose for the most part. You may be able to get some ideas about your specific purpose through this, but it doesn't tell you what you need to do on Friday, right? It doesn't tell you what job you need to take, whether you should take that job or take this job. It doesn't tell you that. But here's one thing that you do need to know. This is the one must when it comes to discovering your specific purpose. Your specific purpose, my specific purpose, must be under the umbrella of the general purpose, which is to glorify God. If your specific purpose is outside the general purpose of giving God glory, then that's not what you were created to do. You were not created to make a whole lot of money to give you a life of ease so that you can put your feet up and just relax. That's not the whole entire point of life. It's not the pursuit of happiness or contentment. You are to glorify God. And so no matter what happens, whatever your specific purpose is, it falls underneath the umbrella of glorifying God. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about a process. And, and friends, just this is one that helped me. There is a, there, this is my opinion, what I'm sharing. Um, but uh, So it's, you're not going to be like, oh, I didn't see that in the Bible. You're right, it's not in the Bible, but this is my thoughts on how to discover God's purpose inside of your life, his specific purpose. Number one is this. I would suggest, if you're trying to figure it out, look at your design. Look at your design. How are you wired What is it that you are naturally good at that just comes so easy to you and it takes other people a lot of time to do it? Maybe it's painting, you know? I don't know what that is. But what is it that you do so naturally 
that it takes other people a lot of work to do. John talked about it a little bit. If you could walk up and you had to give a TED talk, what is it that you do best that is so natural for you that it comes super easy? Couple that with your passions, your strength and your passions. What is it that you just love to do? Like, what is it that when you do it, you lose yourself in that? That could be painting. That could be drawing. That could be accounting. Who knows? People can lose themselves in accounting. So what is it that you are naturally good at and that you love to do? That is a starting point, friends. It's a starting point to go from there. The next thing you need to do is you got to start moving. You got to start moving. The typical posture that I see when it comes for people when they want to figure out what God's will is or their specific purpose is this. I want to think about it. I'm going to figure out what God, God, what do you have for me? I'm just going to think about it. I don't know quite yet, so I'm going to think about it some more. And we sit and we just wait for God's audible voice to come through. I think this is a mistake. I'm not saying it's a mistake to talk to God. No way, shape, or form. I mean, we got to pray. We got to ask God all along the way. But what I'm saying is this, is that if we're waiting for God to smack us over the head and say, this is exactly what I want you to do, you're not always going to get that. Every once in a while, it happens. You've heard this said before. You cannot steer a parked car. And if you're sitting there and your car is parked, God can't guide you. He needs you to get up and move in a direction. I don't know. Go make a mistake for him. Just do something. Hop up off the chair. Stop waiting. Because I think what happens is a lot of times we're afraid to go the wrong way. And so we don't go anyway. We just stay seated. What we have to do is we have to get up and start moving so that God can use us in some shape or form. What I think God will do is if you get up and let's say you go the wrong direction and you take the wrong job or you choose the wrong thing, God is big enough to be able to give you an about turn. Now, wrong direction, go left. If you're sincerely listening to him along the way. And that's the second thing, right? Or the third thing. Third thing is listen along the way. Last week, we talked about the fact that, um, you know, Jesus is the great shepherd and, and the sheep know his voice. It takes time to hear the voice of God. It does. You need to spend time in prayer and talking to him. But as you're moving forward, as you're going, as you're dialoguing, and as you're doing stuff for him and trying to find your direction, you got to be listening in the back of your head. Because sometimes what will happen is God will give you a role or give you a purpose outside of what you enjoy doing. Sometimes it's not going to be what you like doing at all. Sometimes it's going to feel like hell, but you, because you have this commune with God, you're talking with him, you know you're in the right place, even though it's very difficult. And so you got to listen to him along the way. you got to look at your design. That's a good starting place. How did God wire you? Start moving and then listen along the way. And the truth is, friends, this will take time. This process isn't like I'm just going to tackle it in an afternoon, right? There's no Seahawks games this season right now, so I'm just going to take the afternoon. I'm going to figure out what God's will is for my life and what my specific purpose is, and I'll have it done by dinner time. Not going to work that way. It's going to take time and experience and trial and error. This is a process, so have patience in the process. Have patience in the process. Getting personal, my personal general purpose is this, is the same as yours, glorify God. 
What I consider my specific purpose to be, why God put me specifically on this earth, is really two things. Number one is to be a husband and to be a father. Those two things. I'm not going to be the best dad in the world. I'm not going to be the best husband in the world. But I do want to be the best husband and best dad that I can possibly be for my kids. That's super important to me. I feel like if I fail in this arena, then I fail, period. That's just me personally. Because I've met so many people who have been in ministry and done churches and done the church thing and, and, and served and pastored and shepherded at the um, expense of their family. And that will not be my world. My family is first and foremost. If this church fell apart tomorrow, I'm sorry, guys. Um, I'm going to go hang with my family. That's what's going to happen. The other part, who said, oh. <laughs> sorry, man. Sorry to let you down. The other part, I did not expect that. That was great. I love that. But the other part is I do feel called to this church. Uh, if you know my story, you know that I actually did not want to be a senior pastor. I never did. In fact, I'll be flat out honest with you, I still don't. But I feel called to it. I feel like God called me to do it. He called me to do something that I don't feel comfortable in doing. I'm not the best pastor at it. I'm not really good at shaking hands, right? This is more comfortable for me standing up here in front of all of you having this conversation than it is for me to have conversations with multiple people in the lobby. That stresses me out. I'm an introvert by nature, and an introvert by nature should not be a pastor, right? <laughs> But that's what God called me to do. And so that's the current calling that I have, and I'm going to fulfill that to the best of my ability. And it's been so amazing to watch what God has done in this church since we started. There have been people who have come to faith to get to know Jesus for the first time, and it's been amazing to watch. One of them was my friend. I didn't say this first service, but one of them was my friend Rob, who came in and he got cancer. And uh, I spent every other Wednesday hanging out with him in my office. And uh, Rob went to be with Jesus. And he never would have gone to be with Jesus if we didn't start this place, right? That's an amazing story. He's an amazing man. Here he was an amazing man. I'm sure he's having an amazing time right now. But this is my current calling. And the two things that I feel like are my specific purpose in life is to love my family and lead a church, lead this church. There's an incredible verse in Acts chapter 13. Kind of to paraphrase it, it says this. Uh, it says David, talking about David, David and Goliath, David, King David. It says David lived his purpose or lived out his purpose in his lifetime, and then he died. That's an amazing verse. <laughs> to be able to say that about your life, that he lived out God's purpose in his lifetime, and then he passed away to be with Jesus, that's an amazing deal. I want that said of me, Right? At the funeral, he lived God's purpose for his life. And then he died. And he went to be with Jesus. I hope that's said about all of us, that we live out God's purpose. And so here's my challenge for you. Sometimes this week, if you have never done this, I would suggest that you start the process of figuring out what your specific purpose is underneath the umbrella of your general purpose. What has God uniquely shaped you to do and unique people to, to meet unique people and to do a unique thing that only you can do on this planet? What is that? Start figuring out what that is. Ask yourself, what is my specific purpose? My hope is as a congregation, as individuals, as a church, we would glorify God. That is what we are here to do.
But at the same time, I would love it if we were all firing on all cylinders as the body of Christ, doing only what we can do. What can the hand do that only the hand can do? What can the ear do that only the ear can do? What can the feet do that only the feet can do? Whatever your part is in this church and part of God's kingdom, my prayer and my hope is that you will spend time figuring that out, that you will ask him, God, what is your specific purpose for my life, right? And then start moving in some direction and then listen along the way. I believe God will show you what you were put on this earth to do if you start that process, amen? Amen. Let's pray.